visit Cape and Cowell Comics at 1601 Clay Street in downtown Oakland, California, open every day, or online at capeandcowlcomics.com. Welcome to the Cape and Cowell Comics Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by Cape and Cowell Comics owner, Aton Manhoff. What's up, Henry? What's up? And the man simply known as Rainier. What up? How's it going, guys? Good, good. All right. Let's do this. All right. Yeah, so, yeah, we were just chatting before we clicked the record button about kind of the goings-ons in the comic book world. There's kind of a lot happening, right? So um, there were three comics in particular we wanted to touch upon, those being the Batman button issue, just came out last week, the X-Men Gold number one, uh, uh, an area of some controversy, and also the Captain America Secret Empire issue that came out last week as well. So yeah, Eitan, you want to start here about your thoughts on, on these books? Sure, yeah. Uh, so first is uh, is Batman 21. That kicked off the four-part uh, button storyline, uh, which goes back and forth between Batman and Flash. It was Batman, Flash, Batman, Flash for four issues. Um, and this is the official kind of welcome to uh, the, the Watchmen into the DC Universe. You know, they had it. At first, it was teased in the DC Universe Rebirth special that kick, kicked off all of Rebirth. Um, almost a year ago um, and then so this is like that they've kind of strung us along strung us along and this is it yeah. so you, you get this awesome cover maybe people have seen it where it's a uh, Batman holding uh, the, the comedians button from Watchmen and it's lenticular so if you move the cover uh, it Batman becomes the flash also yeah. holding that button right in the middle so it's this amazing beautiful gimmick cover like it, it's all the best things of horrible 90s gimmicks <laughs> but it's like it's amazing and people love it we're sold out already um, wow. we had uh, yeah we had quite a few you know I, I actually meant to order more and I fucked up so Sorry if you don't get one. I'll, I'll do what I can to help you get one. Um, but so, yeah, so it, uh, this issue really kind of, you know, it just teases it. You know, Batman basically pulls out the button and he's going to, you know, investigate. And all of a sudden, boom, um, the story kicks in. Uh, actually, the, the reverse flash shows up in yeah. the Batcave. Um, and this uh, this epic battle ensues. It was so it was such a fucking cool trick. Yeah. Um, this this idea of like the whole story takes place in one minute, and each panel is counting down, maybe a second. Sometimes multiple panels all happening within the same second. So it's all the the reverse flash is moving super fast. Batman is thinking and reacting super fast. Yeah. You guys both both read it, right? Yes. Yeah. Batman's going toe to toe with the reverse flash. <laughs> yeah. Going toe to toe with the speedster. <laughs> and most of the book is there's one second of time passes per panel right? right so yeah pretty pretty awesome storytelling right there very kind of unique and 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 witty and different you know yeah in all my years reading flash and and you know batman or any superhero so i don't think i've ever seen that you know not not an entire issue maybe you've seen you know they've done stuff like what flash does you know he takes a little nap 
in between our blinks, you know, that kind of like <laughs> how flat fast his his life is. But I don't know if I've ever seen this thing with like a, a basically a, a time clock just counting down in, in the panels. If it you've was, ever watched cool. uh, Twenty Four, it's just like that, right? Real time, real time reading, real time yeah. watching. Yeah, I, I thought of that too when I was reading. It's like this is a little has that Twenty Four feel to it, right? A little bit. Yeah. Usually, so, usually you see flash like in in shadow. Like in multiple, like if he's hitting people in like, you know, like a million hits in a second, you see the shadow of it sort of falling, but this is like a second per panel, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like, yeah, I, I dug this as opposed to like, you know, when, when the Flash hits somebody 20 times, they kind of just draw 20 hands like all over the place, which is like classic Flash and there's nothing wrong with it. But this, like, when you see it broken down to like one punch, one punch, one punch, but you watch that time clock and you see how fast. There's one point where where the reverse flash is really giving it to Batman, like kicking <laughs> yeah. the shit out of Batman. And that uh, that point, I think, is all... It's not even one second per panel. It's like it's 36 like all, seconds, and it's like seven panels. Yeah, it's just <laughs> all... I mean, it's just super... It's, you just see like how shitty that must be to get hit so fast. Uh, it was uh, it was pretty cool. I dug yeah. it. Now, Eitan, you mentioned uh, you sold out of this issue, right? Yeah. Big seller. And um, I believe you had you had to kind of manage your inventory on this one, right? Didn't you have a, a one book per customer rule for a bit there? We did, yeah, yeah. We're, and it's something you know I, I don't like having to do it, but there is you know there's a there's a strong speculation market right now where people are buying books to to flip on eBay and stuff. And I, I have no problem with that. I've I did it for years. We're opening the shop. Like you want to stay on top of things and make a few bucks, and that's your that's part of how you uh, do the hobby. I'm all for it, but. But um, my main priority is getting people connected with stories they want to read. And a lot of people wanted to read this book. you know. Yeah. So I couldn't have somebody come in and grab the five copies of this book that are on the shelf um, so that they can make a quick buck. I need to make sure yeah. that as many, you know, we're a big DC store. People read a lot of DC stuff. I needed to make sure everybody uh, got the chance to read it. And even still, you know. I didn't have enough. I didn't have enough of the the fancy cover. I'm getting some more. I think of the regular cover, mm-hmm. uh, and soon. But yeah, so we had to we had to kind of police it one per person. Cool. Now, Rainier, uh, when uh, you came back from the store last week, uh, you you walked away with uh, multiple versions of this book. So, which makes me think. Did you force Aton to sell you, you know, to break his own rule essentially to to get more uh, variant covers here? Yeah, Explain I, yourself. I, I pretty much robbed his store uh, last Wednesday morning. I had a gun to his head. No. <laughs> well, you know, I think maybe just I don't know. Maybe an exception was made, but I think Aton is well aware that it's going to a good home, and there's shelf space on my wall to you know display these prominently in my home. And I'm it, not flipping them. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask you. <laughs> this is not meant to be a money-making venture for you, correct? No. Okay. No. The, I mean, the rule was mainly meant, you know, and it was mo- mostly attached to that lenticular cover, um, which is just that's such a collector's item, you know that. Yeah, it, it's you know the epitome of a book that you like keep in the sleeve and read. So that, so Rainier bullying me into <laughs> five bucks is not uh, not special treatment. Just uh, you know, just a I got incredibly decision. lucky. I just got really lucky. <laughs> came early. Everybody come early yeah. on Wednesdays. I was. Yeah. The, I think I was the first one through the door. Was that the first one? I think you were. Okay. Yeah. So everybody should do that. Then that that special treatment. When I see that you are that hardcore of a Wednesday warrior. <laughs> Boom. There you go. And I hope you're fully 
stocked for Flash 21. Well, you know, all the numbers are about the same. So these books, um, a little peek behind the curtain, were not ordered via the, the regular ordering cycle where we order books uh, two months in advance and then we can adjust those numbers three weeks before um, they actually hit the stands. These books, because of the, the special lenticular cover, were had to be ordered far in advance. So, oh, wow. you know, we could assume like, oh, it's going to be popular. But how popular? Who knows? And that that opportunity to adjust the order um, did come, but it was it was so far out. You know, I actually thought I had ordered more, um, but you know, as I've probably said on this before, I am not a computer person, uh, and I clearly clicked some buttons wrong. I mean, for, you know, we had enough to cover everybody. We we made it through Sunday, um, selling our final copies. So that's oh, uh, good. yeah, not. Uh, we didn't do anything wrong, okay? You can, <laughs> you can boil it down and put it in the decimal in the wrong place. <laughs> decimal was in the wrong place. There you go. Okay, yeah, let's move on. What about uh, Secret Empire? You want to talk about that, Aton? Yeah. Uh, first of all, Secret Empire is really good. Really, really good. Mm. Like, a, you know, it's a Marvel event, you know, and, and uh, there's been a number of Marvel events uh, in recent history that... Uh, maybe you're, you know, maybe are pretty good. Maybe like I like this thing. I don't know. You know, I mean, I mean, I know that event fatigue is real uh, for sure. Um, but Secret Empire is legit. It is a hell of a book. I mean, it had me on the edge of my seat. Um, I'm I'm super into it. I will certainly be reading the whole thing uh, for pleasure, not just mm. uh, to know, you know, what's going on. Um, but there is uh, there is controversy attached to it. Um, the most simple um, form of it, and it's been going on since um, this this Hail Hydra Captain America moment. You yeah. know, maybe uh, six or seven or eight months ago, whenever that was, where it was revealed that uh, that Cap uh, has always been a Hydra agent, not just like recently converted, like grew up in a Hydra family, uh, and was has always been Hydra. Um, so that's upset a lot of people. The controversy. Um, Recently, and in relation to like our store and stuff, is, is Marvel has been um, pushing this this idea of, of Hydra takeover, um, and they en are encouraging stores to update their store logos to in include the Hydra logo, to wear Hydra shirts, to do Hydra social media campaigns, basically to like become Hydra. Yeah. Um, and when you when you think of, when you stop and pause about what they're asking. <laughs> They're kind of asking for a Nazi takeover, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not the deepest Marvel, uh, you know, maniac, but uh, I've always kind of made that association. Now, I think fans mm -hmm. kind of separated out a little bit because you do see a lot of people with like the Hydra t-shirts, Hydra hats, Hydra stickers, and people that I know have no, nothing even close to like Nazi feelings yeah. or racist feelings or whatever, but... You know, it's just kind of like rooting for the bad guy. Um, yeah. But, but when you think about what it means, and especially in terms of like Captain America and what they've done this story and how he was a secret agent in World War Two and blah blah blah, like we're, we're we are touching, we're at least brushing against like Nazism here. A little so, bit. Um, so I, you know, I'm I'm very like. I don't, I don't discredit any store that's like getting into it and having fun with, you know, promoting this book and getting fans on. But you know, you're, you're not going to see a cape and cowl logo with a, a Hydra symbol worked into it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be wearing a Hydra T-shirt. You think the intention is to create this controversy? No, no. I, I mean, from what I've seen behind the, 
the curtain, you know, because I'm in a like a a group for retailers and and some Marvel um, executives like that. No, that I, I don't think they wanted like the negative buzz. They want buzz on their books, but they don't. You know, a lot of it comes from Bleeding Cool. You know, the website Bleeding Cool. It's yeah. run by this guy Rich Johnson, and he is a provocateur. And he writes stuff. He writes a lot of clickbait. I mean, just shitloads of clickbait. Yeah. And he's really kind of the main uh, warrior against uh, this this idea of hydro cap and and, okay. and stirring the pot certainly yeah. uh, but there are but there's there's actually there's retailers out there that are like I'm Jewish I'm gay I'm you know a human being I don't I'm yeah. not uh, I don't support <laughs> you know uh, Nazi stuff and I'm not gonna be doing it in my store so I, I don't think it's I don't think it's intentional okay well no was there what was like the wording like in terms of were they really trying to get you to promote this and to like I think you mentioned some hydro t-shirts were offered to yeah, you Yeah right? yeah so the so the uh, the idea of the the logo change for stores actually came from a retailer and they requested from Marvel like can we have permission to use the hydro logo to mess with our thing and it kind of grew into this whole thing where all these stores were doing it and, and Marvel kind of got into it and they were very supportive of it okay. then Marvel just just went out of their way to like contact the t-shirt company and spe- set up a special deal where uh, retailers could order just like staff shirts mm-hmm. that had Hydra logos on them. So they, they uh, it's something they're like, they are all about this Hydra takeover. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big deal for them. I mean, it's part of the, this story is all about Cap, you know, basically revealing himself as not just a Hydra agent, like the leader of Hydra, who is now taking oh, over the world. Dang. I'm curious, so if you were to take a stance and say, no, I'm not doing it, what, you know, are there any repercussions for doing that? No, no, they're not, I mean, I don't know, I'm not, you know, so I'm in this group with the retailers in Marvel, and I'm not like standing on a soapbox saying, you know, fuck that, fuck you, and anybody who does this is an asshole because I, I don't I actually don't feel that way. But I'm also not comfortable enough with it that I'm going to do it myself. Because I, you know, I don't. I mean, I happily read Superman comics, where Superman essentially is a Nazi, right? Like that—that's the story of like an Elseworlds book. There's one called Superman Dark Reign. Superman basically just becomes like a fascist, takes over the world and whatever. And there, it's fun to read the good guy turned into the bad guy. That's fine, but but that doesn't mean I'm gonna like brand my store with like the Superman logo SS, you know, which yeah. is what they use in that story. Or I'm gonna, you know, have you know Superman SS logos all over my Facebook page or like. I will read the story. Like, like I said, I really like Secret Empire. Like, I really like it. I think it's great. And mm-hmm. I want a lot of people to read it because I think they'll like it. And I think uh, it's going to be a fun ride. Um, but but that's kind of where it's going to end for me. I'm not going to get so deep into it that I'm, like, pretending to be a, a Hydra store. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so it's kind of like when you say it out loud, doesn't it seem weird? It like does. It, it, it's yeah. I can see it striking a chord because, like, the example you brought, Superman Dark Reign, that's an Elseworlds book, so it's an alternate universe. It's not necessarily part of the continuity. 
But with Captain America, this is the very fabric of Captain America. It's, it's in the forefront of his continuity, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is happening in, in all across the Marvel Universe. This is actually happening. Uh, this is not an imaginary story. Now, of course, as we know, because it's comics, it's going to end... And we will have Captain America in his classic form again at some point. Who knows? You know, maybe mm-hmm. he gets killed at the end of the story. Maybe again. he gets locked in prison <laughs> for years. Yeah. I mean, who, who knows? But at some point in the future, Steve Rogers will be the real true Captain America again. Um, the dawn is darkest just before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think... I think it's like there's a little bit of it that's getting blown out of proportion because these the the stores that are participating in Marvel they're not doing it to hurt anybody mm-hmm. they're not trying to offend they're just they really are just trying to have fun with this story and to promote yeah. it and to to be relevant and all this stuff um, it's just it's it is going a step further than than cape and cowl is comfortable with. Um, okay. So. Yeah, understandable. A little wishy-washy. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to do it, but you can do it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Marvel and controversies, X-Men Gold. So there is a lot of controversy over this comic, X-Men Gold number one. And uh, yeah, Aton, again, you want to talk sure, about this Sure, yeah, yeah. So the um, Six Men Gold is part of this big X Men relaunch, kind of a big deal for Marvel, where you know that the the, uh, the rumor has been for years that that Marvel Publishing was pushing the X Men into the closet, trying to push the Inhumans, all this stuff because of movie rights, right? Like Marvel Studios doesn't have the ability to make X Men movies, so they don't want to be promoting. X-Men, you know, product or whatever. Like, I honestly, I never bought into that. I really didn't. Like, Marvel Publishing is about publishing books and selling books. If they had X-Men books to sell, they'd put them out. That's my opinion. Anyway, this is, but this is like a big push to get the X-Men to be like the kind of industry standard that they're supposed to be. So there was this, so X-Men Gold is an exciting book. It puts kind of your classic X-Men team, or if you're from a certain age, it's like your classic X-Men team, right? It's it's uh, um, Colossus and Storm and Nightcrawler and Kitty Pride. Um, Wolverine would be there, you know, if he were alive. Um, is Old Man Logan? No, Old Man Logan is there, he is right? Logan. Yeah, he is. There. Yeah. He's on the team. Right. And then Jean Grey's daughter, Scott and Jean's daughter yeah. is there, kind yep. of representing Scott, I guess, right. uh, Cyclops. Uh, so anyway, so kind of a big deal, like for particularly for guys our age, or like this is our X Men team, you yeah. know. Um, so anyway, the artist for this book, to get down to it, um, is Indonesian, and a uh, uh, and he's Muslim, and he mm-hmm. uh, leans towards the more radical um, uh, ideals. Uh, As it turns out, <laughs> yeah, and and what he did is he snuck some little subliminal messages into the art. Yeah, um, little things like uh, Quran passages that uh, can be can be interpreted to mean, you know, Muslims shouldn't uh, be working side by side with Jews and Christians. And right. uh, there was this uh, not so subtle when you look at it. Um, 
but Kitty Pride's talking to a crowd, and a, a crowd, and Kitty Pride's a Jewish character, and right by her head it says jewelry. Yeah. Like, and the Jew part is like oversized. It's really yeah particularly odd with the number that that two one two, which apparently refers to a date where um, some kind of Islamic, Islamic extremist did a march to kind of protest. Uh, an Indonesian politician that was not like far right enough um, or didn't have extreme enough beliefs. So anyway, he snuck all these things in there um, and and Marvel uh, was quick to apologize and kind of cast blame. But, you know, this is shit that doesn't belong in comics. It's, there's no... There's no way it should be there, right? Or at least not in not in this comic or not this X Men. It certainly shouldn't be in an X Men comic. I mean, yeah. you know, X Men is all about preaching about acceptance. You know, the X Men are always trying to. They just want to live side by side with humans. That's what separates them from Magneto, right? Magneto wants to just like take over. X Men are like, no, we got to live side by side and uh, in peace, and everybody's the same. Um, and so to, to have this stuff that says everybody's not the same. And in fact, these people are worse, and and you know it just doesn't fit an X Men. And yeah, you know, at first, I you know I wrestled with it for like a thirty fucking seconds, and I was and I was thinking, you know, when people sneak politics that I agree with into comics, I don't have, usually don't have a problem with it, you know. Um, so as this guy has politics that I don't agree with, why does that bother me so much? Um, and and I think it's it's not. It's not really politics, you know. There's a politician involved with one of these these numbers that that he alludes to, but but really, this is like this is a prejudice um, that this guy yeah. is exhibiting and putting you know putting on putting it on to other characters. You know, one of this Quran passage that that again can be interpreted this way is on Colossus's T-shirt in a yeah. panel. So you're you're saying that Colossus feels this way the artist is saying that yeah that uh, doesn't make any sense at all it doesn't fit the characters it doesn't fit the story you know if if there was an extremist muslim character in the comic okay you know at least maybe it fits the story but it doesn't make any sense whatsoever in this context right no I mean, yeah and it's being backdoored in it's being snuck in like yeah. you say it's not on a guy who shares these beliefs and the beliefs aren't being like set out there it's, it's just this like wink wink you yeah. know look what I look what I snuck into a comic that just sold a hundred plus thousand copies you know and, and it's going to be in the hands of of all these people so so Marvel is reprinting the book without all that stuff so there's a big buzz around the, the first printing it, you know it's collectible blah 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 um but you know, and then the artist has since been fired. I believe his art is still in the issue that comes out tomorrow. I mean, he they must right. have two or three issues in the can before they can change uh, change the artist. So um, yeah, kind of heavy. It's too bad too because the comic's fun, and it's good to have the X Men back, yeah. you know, front and center again. Yeah, and um, when Rainier, when you and I heard about it, there was this kind of buzz about oh, there's this. You know, first printing issue one could be this valuable comic. You know, yeah, get it while you can. It, like the, the headlines were X Men Gold number one pulled from the shelves. You know, and that's not really what happened, right? <laughs> Basically, it's they're saying, yeah, like, Aton, like you're, what you're saying, the second printing would not have this stuff. I think that the digital versions don't have it either. But it's not like that first printing. They stopped it. Like all right. those issues are out there, and it's yeah. not like it's super rare or anything, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah, maybe whatever issues they had, like back at the warehouse, probably Marvel asked the diamond to pulp or whatever. But uh, 
But yeah, there's plenty of them out there. Um, we'll see how collect you know just as in terms of collectability, if it has like long term collectability, I'm not totally sure. Um, you know, I we at the store we're starting to get into CGC and graded books, and we had like the one in fifty variant for this book, and I was thinking, oh, you know, hot book, I can yeah. send that off, I can make a few bucks, and and uh, and I ultimately decided like, no, I just let's just get it out of here for the month. Yeah. You know, let's just slap a price tag on it where it'll sell, where we'll we'll you know. Again, you know, it's our, we have to take care of the store. We have to get, you know, the money where we can, when we can. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just put it out for a price that we thought could sell. It's sold. It's gone. Great. And you're free from it. <laughs> and I'm free. And I don't have to, <laughs> to worry about it anymore. And I will I will have the second print, which I encourage everybody to read. And, and don't worry that you're not getting the, this more collectible first print. Just, like, read it as a fun X-Men book. You know, know that this happened, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and maybe read about it and be educated about this guy's beliefs and, and the counter um, beliefs. Yeah, there you go. All right, so on to uh, this more fun discussion. <laughs> uh, this past weekend was the Silicon Valley Comic Con in San Jose. All three of us did attend. Um, and I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on your experiences and, and how it all went. This is the, the second annual Silicon Valley Comic Con. Last year was the first one. And, Which we um, attended. We did. Yeah, Rainier, you and I, we went last year. And actually, this is it's a new con, but it actually spawned from the Big Wow, right? Isn't that right? You yeah. You said the Big Wow? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that in itself was something else too, right? Wasn't that Supercon or something like that? Do you remember? Supercon, I think, was back in the day in the East Bay. Yeah, Supercon started in Hayward. Supercon started in like... it was one of the, it was one of those Hall. little like what well, yeah Centennial Hall, Hall. Yeah, okay. it's like one of those little one room shows that we all remember so fondly just one square with a bunch of tables around it, um, and then uh, it eventually moved to to San Jose and became Big Wow and then after a few years it was Steve Wozniak came in yeah. for whatever reason and bought <laughs> Big Wow yeah. and turned it into Silicon Valley Comic Con and made it this like tech slash comic convention yeah now Aton you had a booth at, at Silicon Valley Comic Con. Tell us about that. We did, yeah. So this is, this is the first uh, this is the first big show I've ever done. I've only ever done little kind of uh, local, not rinky-dink shows, but little ones, you know, little one-day things. Um, mm-hmm. So this was the first kind of big thing, big attendance. Um, and it was an interesting experience. I feel like um, it... it brought up more questions than it answered for, for me and for okay. the store and for, you know, just from a business uh, perspective. Um, we kind of brought, like, some stock to blow out. And, you know, our main priority was just, like, to hand out flyers, let people know that we exist. Um, and we accomplished that. And there were people who were like, I live in Oakland. How do I not know you're there? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> if I was somebody who goes to a comic convention I, and I found out that there was a comic book store in my town that I didn't know about for the last year and a half, I would be like, I would drop to my knees. I'd be like, how? how? Yeah. Why, Lord? Why have you not told me about this store? Um, so we did that, and, and we, we had some stock that we blew out, and we did we sold some wall books and, and um, 
you know, just kind of a mix. We just kind of wanted to represent ourselves, which I think, like, we did. We we let people know we exist. We, rep- we represented ourselves well by just being nice to people and, like, you know, cool and pleasant, I, I like to think. But, like... You know, at the end of the day, it was just a booth with some, you guys saw it, it was just a booth yeah. with some tables and a banner, and it just looked like, it just looked like a Comic-Con booth for mm-hmm. selling comics, and there's nothing wrong with that, but, like, that's not necessarily the Cape and Cowell way, right? Like, when you walk into Cape and Cowell Comics, like, it's got a different look, it's got a different feel, it's open, it's inviting, it's yeah. all this stuff, and, and, and... So now I'm thinking, like, if I do a big show, I gotta recreate that in some way, you know. Like, maybe it won't have it. Maybe I won't be like blowing out the dollar books or half-off trades or selling vintage comics, but at least I'll be kind of showing people who we are, you know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, wrestle. Like, do I need to get some custom fucking booth <laughs> built? I need to like recreate the oh, comics yeah. wall. And are there new the rules? The are there new rules or restrictions regarding that? Regarding how creative you want to be with your booth? Not really. You just gotta fit into your space, you know. Mm. I mean, you can buy power for it. You can, uh, you can kind of juice it up however you want, but you know. I'm not going to buy one of these mega booths, right? I'm not going to get six booths put yeah. into one. So I'm really thinking about, like, how do you fit in this 10 by 10 space? And how do you, how do we represent the store, you know? Or or do we just not represent the store? Do we just, like, yeah, yeah we're Cable and Cowell Comics. Yeah, we exist. Yeah, come and see us. But And then here's just some fucking comics. You yeah. can buy that, you know? So it's... I don't know, right? Like it's. I, I feel like maybe some shows warrant one thing and some shows warrant another. You know, I did uh, Pleasanton Colossus Comic Con or whatever. You know, a few weeks ago, there would be no reason to drag out some big, giant, fancy, like light up booth. Yeah. Like people would just kind of want to dig through boxes and have fun or whatever. A Silicon Valley Comic Con where people are spending days walking through and walking by booths and. And whatever, and it's kind of more about the experience of being at the con. Like maybe that's where you kind of try and really stand out, and, yeah. and kind of people are like, "What is that?" You know? Right. right. Um, that's interesting hearing it from the vendor perspective. Yeah, it's it it you know it's the first time for me thinking about it from this perspective. It's much. It's such a different experience. Such I've, always, different I've always wondered how that is too. Like I'll be at one booth. You know, talking to the booth owner about some books, maybe doing some negotiating. And if I decide to not make a decision, I'm walking off right across the hall where he can see me <laughs> yeah. negotiating with another guy <laughs> for the same book. Uh, I, I've always found that interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I, and I didn't have much of that experience because for some reason, <laughs> I was like two or three rows away from all the other comic vendors. I was just like in yeah. this weird no man's land. <laughs> I was next to a ceramic flute <laughs> salesperson and a t- t-shirt guy across from the giant mystery box oh, right. stand. They yeah. Really, like, do these very fancy, which is funny too, because I had a pile of our mystery boxes in the store mm. and I felt like such a dumbass. They had all these like fancy ones and a line and all this stuff and you know like there's some you know there's some comics in there. Yeah, I'm curious about that too about where you're placed. Is that is it just completely random? They just let you know oh, you're gonna be here and that's about it. Yeah. Or are there hot spots like are these are prime real estate? Sure. I mean locations? you know they always they like you pay more for a corner right where you can be seen from uh-huh. two different aisles. Um, but no, when you sign up. Uh, ultimately, you're just saying I want this booth, and and you just put me where I fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if I signed up late or what, but I was definitely, I was definitely the last comics booth that you would hit. 
um, you know, the comics started on one side, went for a few aisles, and then kind of your miscellaneous vendors were there before you got to kind of the tech. Though I was like across the aisle from NASA. I was I was in <laughs> yeah. the weirdest fucking place. Yeah. I swear. I was. I mean, <laughs> it was so bizarre. I was. I don't. I was totally kind of in the weeds where I was, and it was fine. People found us, but people yeah. were like, a lot of people were like, oh, comics. <laughs> After they take their picture with an astronaut suit. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, yeah. they take their astronaut suit. They come down. They buy a T-shirt from the guy buying, and they're like, what are comics doing here at this yeah. this convention? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had some problems finding your booth because i yeah. i started like like you're saying with the comics areas like oh, i'll probably run into it here and i didn't i had to pull out my program and like actually look up the number and stuff so yeah it was kind of a random spot yeah it was weird and also i was not in the booth that was listed in the program <laughs> the program said that oh. we were at booth uh, 545 we actually ended up at 534 uh, okay so a few people that were looking for 545 does not exist oh, no. um so people were looking for us uh, could not find us, um, but uh, you know it, it worked out. But you know, also a, a problem like if if my booth had been back with the comics, other comics people, maybe it would have stood out. Like you know, we put together a decent yeah. looking booth. Yeah. You know, it didn't look like shit. Yeah. So maybe if it was down mixed in with the other comics, then maybe you would pause and be like, oh, that's well put together. That's organized. That's. Yeah. Uh, you know, those racks don't look like they've been used 36,000 times. And they're going to fall on me if I, like, look underneath the table. So, um, and, and where I was with, with these kind of miscellaneous vendors, these are, like, professional, um, you know, booths. You know, they're set up. They're designed. They're expensive. They travel in fancy boxes from show to show to show. Um, and, and mine was, you know, just came out of a minivan. Um, <laughs> well, you might – I think you're selling yourself a little short because um, – you mentioned the look. There's kind of a generic look of comic book vendors. And the, the Cape and Cal booth, I felt like it looked nothing like that. I, and I think, yeah, if it was placed amongst the other comic book vendors, it really would have stood out pretty strong, I think. You know, I thought, I thought it looked great. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it, it you know, um, it's fine. But, I, you know, I kind of wonder, like, should it go next level with it? Like, you know, in the, in the store we have our, our wooden comics wall, right? That glows yeah. and it says comics, comics, comics. Like, should I build the miniature version of that? Ooh. And like put it at the back of the booth? And should I, you know, we have the subway tile in the store or the, the faux subway tile oh, yeah. that's actually like slat wall for display. Should I make some side panels of the subway tile and, and I could still use it for hanging stuff and it would just be like a backdrop for, for whatever and I could put the wall books on it just all the same um, but really it would be like whoa what am I walking into here you know I could go yeah. buy I could go buy um, floor samples wooden floor samples and put some little like Ooh. hardwood floor down you know I mean all this stuff if you're willing to put in you know a little effort you can do and I'm curious if it's worth it and Did so the, you, um, maybe by San Francisco Comic Con you might see that did, uh, did booth babes ever cross your mind? <laughs> no, no. Silicon Valley had like a strict no booth babes. Uh, oh, there is a restriction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I am available if you need something like that, by the way. Uh, well, tryouts are at my house. Uh, yeah, wife's out of town for VS, so we better do that soon. Um, All right. Hey, so that's great getting the, the vendor perspective. So, Rainier, you and I, we attended the con as attendees. Um, you went on Sunday, and I went on Saturday. I'd love to hear your experience yesterday. 
Yeah, so I had, uh, let's see, I had a couple goals in mind. Um, the big draw for me was uh, uh, I'm a big Flash fan, and I'm a big fan of the show, and so Grant Gustin was one of the headliners. Yeah. So I did a uh, photo op where you can take a picture with him. Uh, and I have to say, I've done other photo ops at different conventions. This one was really well organized. Oh, they, nice. uh, you know, prior to the show, they emailed you your corral number and the time that you're going, and that really helped out as opposed to different conventions where it's like you've got a time slot, but people, you know, they want to line up, but they don't designate lines, so you kind of just have stragglers walking around, and you have volunteers sort of yelling at you like your cattle. It was not like <laughs> yeah. that at all this time around. So you knew where you needed to be, when you needed to be there in advance. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I spoke to some volunteers actually complimenting on how well they were doing. I hope everyone had the same experience I did because it was, uh, yeah, it, it was it was easy. How was, was it meeting him? Uh, it's cool. I mean, it's a quick sort of high and by. I we did a little bro hug, and I'm like, hey man, great job on the show, uh, and you know, snap and shoot and go, and that's it. <laughs> um, I did meet him on a different occasion at San Diego, where it was very similar. But I did uh, I did get a handshake from the guy. Um, but yeah, it's. You know, it's almost comparable to a DMV picture, really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something you can cherish forever. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But it started out, uh, I, so I went with uh, our coworker here, Renee. Yeah. Shout out to Renee. And uh, our, our first stop was actually catching his panel. It was uh, Grant Gustin and uh, Tom Felton. And they had it at the theater across the street from the convention center. Yeah. Which I think capacity was maybe 2,000 or something like that. That was a pretty big spot. Yeah. yeah, and it was again organized really well. If you purchased a like VIP or some kind of like gold package, you had priority seating. We didn't have that, uh, but we were there fairly early. We were probably like maybe a couple hundred in line nice. um, within that number. And when they let us in, easy to find a seat. It's stadium style seating. They had like a balcony you could sit on, uh, and and at one point before the show started. It does say if you are a VIP or gold member, you know, come early. Um, minutes before, they're like, there's open seats. If anyone wants to move forward, like, you know, please feel free to do so. <laughs> and there was sort of this mass exodus of people that were sitting sort of from the back trying yeah, to run okay. to the front. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was still it was still pretty civil. No one got trampled on. <laughs> uh, but no, it was great. It was great seeing them. Uh, after that, uh, it was hitting the exhibit floor, uh, doing some comics hunting. Uh, I was able to walk through the floor within, I don't know, two hours or so. Did yeah. you find anything yeah. good? I did, man. What did you get? I did. I got, uh, I got, I, I actually bought my first CGC book. Ooh. And oh. And I got a hell of a deal I could not walk really? away from. What was it? It's New Mutants 98. Oh, oh shit. Deadpool. You guys know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> first Deadpool. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, What's I got the grading? 9.6. Wow. That's pretty good. Nice. And I got a hell of a deal from this guy. Uh, I just couldn't pass it up. Um, Sweet. Yep. I got a free theatrical release Wonder Woman poster. Oh, nice. Oh, uh, I saw people walking with one of those. I wanted yeah. one of those. Oh, man. So Where it, was that come from? The, I think Warner Brothers and I, oh, I can't remember the studio. Is it Lionsgate or something like okay. that? They were doing like this pinwheel thing where you could win like a mini poster or a t-shirt. Okay. I actually originally won a King Arthur t-shirt. I'm like, man, <laughs> I really then. want one. <laughs> so I'm like, is there any way I could trade this for a Wonder Woman or Justice League poster? And they were totally cool with it. So Nice. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, had a great time i was just there for one day awesome awesome so yeah just real briefly i went on saturday like i mentioned 
And uh, for me, the the big uh, the highlight was not so much a comic book related thing, but um, the actress Pam Greer was in attendance. So I'm a huge Pam Greer fan. I love her films from the 70s, like Coffee and Sheba Baby, and also of course her. Uh, the movie she did with Quentin Tarantino, Jackie Brown. So I just love her shit, great, and buddy. yeah, um, super excited to to meet her. And yeah, I did the whole the whole thing. I did uh, her panel, uh, got an autograph from her, and I did a photo with her. So really exciting, and it's just completely. Like when I heard she would just she was gonna be at this show, I'm like, wow, that's pretty random, you know. <laughs> but um, I, I think that's kind of where these cons are headed. They're just bringing celebrities from all across the board, you know. Um, but that was cool. And also on on a more of a comic book uh, note, um, I met the artist Mike Zek, who I, I grew up on his shit, man. <laughs> like he, I, I mean, it was cool. He had a he had a table in Artist Alley, and yeah, I, I got a book signed and a, a print signed. Mike Zek created the black costume. He was a Spider-Man yeah, guy for a long right. time. He created the black costume or the symbiote or or, or co-created as that's part right. of uh, that's Secret right. Wars. Cause he did the art for that, or at least the cover. Maybe he did the inside, the interiors for. I think I think he did. Yeah, and. Um, for me, it was his work on the Punisher miniseries. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. he, I know, I know for sure he did the covers and the interiors on those. And yeah, he was one of those guys that, like, definitely, arguably, got me into comics nice. big time. So yeah, it's cool getting to chat with them, and I definitely let them know. You know, it's like you that you got me into this shit, man. <laughs> Thanks. Like I was, I was very appreciative, and he was a cool guy to me for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Any uh, any other thoughts about the con in general? Anyone? I got to see Biff. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw him too. Tom Wilson. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, interesting yeah. the celebrity location. Uh, they had like most of the next generation Star Trek cast there. And uh, you know you're sort of walking past them as you're going to, um, well, at least the destination I was going to to see uh, Tom Felton and uh, Grant Gustin. Yeah. Uh, but they're all yeah they're all there at their booths, man, just hanging out, signing, yeah. taking selfies, and yeah. So and we talked earlier that the, the con- convention is was expanded from last year, and it you could feel it too. You know, like there were a lot of people there, but. I didn't ever feel like it was too crowded, so I think they they oh, used yeah. even for Saturday, well. huh? Even for Saturday, yeah. And that's yeah. what I noticed too. Like on Sunday, it was never elbow to elbow, armpit to armpit. Like there was a, a lot of space to move around between vendors on the exhibit floor. It was uh, it was a comfortable experience. Yeah. One note on that that essentially offsite panel room, um, you did have to tap out. Uh, to with your wristband oh, to RFID get there, you had you yeah. had to leave the con essentially to to attend that panel area. So, I mean, it wasn't the biggest deal, but speaking of which, I you know, mine in my pocket, I'll throw that <laughs> shit away while we're sitting there. There you go. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, um, there, there there's potential for maybe a little confusion there. But you know, like you're saying, Rainier, I think 
it was pretty well run. So I don't think there are any major you know, problems. From a retailer perspective, like the the fact that it's spread out over these multiple buildings actually sucks. Like it, oh, it's yeah. really yeah yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, multiple and, buildings, right? That yeah, I mean, sense. or just th the how spaced out it is, and like there was the whole thing outside with all this. Like it was just free to be outside, but there were still like vendors out there and everything. Like. The fact that it's more spread out, like it is nice, and it's nice for everybody to get some more room. But like, you know, just the pe just just you know, we want the best experience for all the fans. <laughs> but just so you yeah, know, yeah. for retailers, it kind of sucks. Like yeah, people, yeah. people, people aren't out. forced to walk by your booth and like hang out in the main hall. There's like so much room and so much space to to be anywhere but the main hall. Yeah. So speaking you of know? like the layout, like the the main hall, I noticed at the tail end of it there was like sort of. Uh, it's as if it were in another room, but I mean, it's still on yeah. the same roof. Yeah, that's what you're talking about, right? Like it was sort of dissected. Well, no, like but I mean, there was like you, you know, when you have to leave the convention hall to go to another hall to like go to a panel or something, like yeah. nothing's. You don't have to come back. You don't even have to walk by the door that might lure you to come back. But yes, what you're talking about was like, I would have been fucking pissed if I was in that room. It looked like some fucking <laughs> add-on. Yeah. It had some tiny door to get in there, and then inside there's like another 30 fucking oh, yeah. people selling shit. I would have been fucking furious. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You put yeah. me in like the, the, the little kid's table, essentially, yeah, yeah. and people in there had good <laughs> shit, <kids> too. <laughs> like, I mean, it, that, uh, so anyway. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the show. I'm glad everybody <laughs> had fun. But like some of these things that make it better for for fan comfort are not not as good for the the retailers and fans should uh. want the retailers to do well because there's retailers who were were not happy with these things who like you know you might not see next year. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of this weird it's this weird balance where like you need fans to be comfortable so fans want to come. But you need them to be close enough to the retailers that the retailers can have enough success. And I'm not saying this like bitterly. Like we we did fine. You know, we we did our goal of meeting people. We made money. Like everything, Great. we we accomplished all of our goals. But uh, it, it's just interesting. It was interesting to me as somebody doing this for the first time because I'm like, like why is it kind of slow? Why is it open? And I'm talking to these like hardcore convention retailers, and they're like, yeah. You know what they did? They fucked us. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. really? I've always wondered wow. about that. Like at WonderCon, I've when it was at uh, when it was in Oakland and when it was in San Francisco, I'd always remember there'd be a part where you know there's an area that's roped off that's completely unused and i've always wondered like why wouldn't they open that up yeah. to help with capacity mm -hmm. and so that's maybe that's part I mean, of the strategy want to keep people you yeah. know you want to like i said you want to at least make people walk by yeah the the room with the, with all the vendors in but they had vendors everywhere so so that you know if you were you were walking by vendors for sure you just might not have been in the main hall Right, right. Um, and then, uh, so I want to ask you guys: Do you know if this show last year was at this was on the same weekend as C two E two, like it was this year? Oh, you know, I doubt it because it was yeah. it was not April. It was like March or May. Uh, it was okay. it wasn't April. I know that yeah. for a fact. So I'm almost guaranteeing it wasn't the same weekend. Because that's a tough draw to be up against. You know, yeah. I mean, C two E two is a common convention in Chicago. It's been there for years. It's it is one of the big shows of the year. It really kind of kicks off yeah. convention season. You know, all the publishers are there. A lot of the comic create. I mean, that's a real like hardcore comic show. Now they get celebrities, of course, and 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 all that stuff. But that's where that was kind of the big draw of the weekend. Probably why you didn't see. I know it's why you didn't like some of the local artists and creators that that I'm from that I'm you know know um, weren't weren't here, even though. 
they could have just driven to and from or whatever. They all flew to Chicago. So uh, it, it was kind of unfortunate timing. That I mean, yeah. um, in some sense. So I hope that that you know it's better better for them to be like one weekend after another. Yeah, um, I think C two E two last year was in March. It's, it looks like. Uh huh. Oh. And I, th- I think I, Silicon was still April. It was it was later. I'm almost guaranteeing it was like May or something. Yeah. yeah. So okay. That's yeah, interesting. Just interesting. Yeah, I was yeah. just I was just curious about it because I, I I was just you know all this news broke and C two to all this stuff and I mean Silicon Valley was still a great show. I, and, yeah. I, and I'm not like I'm just I, I'm just I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. And it is cool that you, you know Renier, you mentioned WonderCon. WonderCon. No longer in the Bay Area, hasn't been for years now, and the Bay Area has really been missing a big convention like this. And it's pretty nice to see that you know it's it's back. You know, this is a big time convention. And I think San Francisco Comic Con, which is coming up in September, uh, is gonna. It's obviously grown a lot because it's moving out of the Hyatt into uh, the. Uh, um, the Moscone Center. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so okay. that's like Adventure that's grown. That oh, wow. automatically lets you know it's grown in a big way. Yeah. Um, and also, I was telling Rainier, there's this one coming up in in June called Idiot Fest, uh, which is put on by Chris Hardwick and Nerdist, and it's part uh, comic convention, part music festival, part carnival. Mm. Um, so and and your pass gets you in to all these things. I think Weezer is the headliner, and there's all these other kind of uh, well, you might think like Live 105 type bands okay. or whatever. Um, and then all there will be major publishers there. Image will be there. Um, Oni, Dark Horse. I don't know if oh, DC wow. and Marvel are there. Um, and then there will be retailers, and then there's gonna be like carnival games and fucking rides <laughs> and shit. It's gonna be crazy. And I, yeah. like, I'm pretty sure it's like a fifty dollar ticket. I don't know. I'm I'm stoked. We have a we have a booth um, there, and uh, oh yeah, I'm excited. But I'm excited to just like to just check out. I hope I can hear the music from yeah. where my booth is. I could just like bring I'm just a lawn curious chair. who. The, the attendees I mean it's gonna be across the board you know got music fans and comic yeah. fans and all kinds yeah, of yeah yeah I think it is fans. gonna be a broad broad spectrum but they've got like if, if you check it out they've got some big name guests and stuff coming I think it's gonna be pretty sweet awesome okay moving on let's talk about new comics today is Monday April 24th the 26th is new comic book Wednesday so let's talk a little bit about what we're looking for, uh, looking forward to. Uh, so I can start. So this is something I've been waiting for a little bit. Uh, Black Widow, Volume 2, No More Secrets. So I've been trade waiting on this one, so I'm looking forward to finally checking it out. I read Volume 1 and really liked it a lot. Um, the, the team is uh, Mark Wade. He's the writer, and the art is by Chris Samney. And pretty cool stuff. Like the the first issue, there's almost zero dialogue. It's like it kind of remind me. I don't know if anyone you guys read uh, that one issue of GI Joe where like Snake Eyes is on this mission and there's it's just like it's called the the silent issue. Yeah. There's no dialogue. It's super cool and it kind of this this black issue uh, Black Widow issue one kind of reminded me of that. And I was hooked. Like once I read that, I was like shit. I'm in, man. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, yeah, Volume 2 coming out Wednesday. Looking forward to it. Uh, Rainier, you want to go? Yeah, uh, let's go down the list. Batman, The Shadow, number one. Um, it's a crossover between The Shadow and Batman. Uh, it's written by Scott Snyder, and or co-written by Scott Snyder, mm-hmm. uh, with this really sweet artist, uh, Rismo or something? He's, oh, Riso? He, uh, not, not Riso. Not like Rizzo from... Uh, 
from 100 Bullets or whatever, but I think, well, maybe maybe it's spelled the same way, but uh, it's not who most people would think of if you said, oh, okay. said Rizzo. I thought there was an M in it, but anyway, uh, looks killer. Uh, Flash 21, eight I'm going to be the first one in your shop to <laughs> pick up all the covers. Uh, no, uh, real quick on that, is this, like, button... This story two of two like this is part two of four. Oh, two of four yeah okay. it also has the lenticular cover um and the regular covers but it, it does have the the sweet moving cover okay. and are three and four not batman and flash comics do they no it goes batman flash batman flash ah okay yeah. cool all right sorry go ahead Rinya. batman what if batman inherits flash's power can you imagine what if they've been the same guy this whole the time entire time flash is <laughs> so fast blown the world would be saved if Batman had Flash's power. That'd be sweet. <clears throat> uh, Justice League Five, and let's see what else. Um, I think Mother Panic hits this week as well, right? Uh, uh, not sure. Uh, oh, yeah, Mother Panic yeah. number six and Commandy Challenge number four. That's what I'm looking forward to. Oh, and Teen Titans Seven. It's got a cool cover with. <laughs> is it King Shark? I think uh, it's got sort of this Jaws throwback feel to it. Uh, where you have King Shark <laughs> looking up at the Teen Titans. It looks pretty awesome. I think I'm just nice. getting it really for the cover. But <laughs> awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, I've got a few. I guess these are in kind of alphabetical order because I was just going through the invoice for the week. But uh, Aliens Dead Orbit, um, James Stoko, uh, who's a really awesome modern artist. He does um, super high detailed um, like with all kinds of crazy shit going on. He's doing an alien story that just looks awesome. And I don't even really read Aliens comics, but um, I, I tend to read James Stokoe comics um, because his shit's so interesting and different. Um, I'm also looking forward to Batman in the Shadow. A uh, Bitch Planet 10 finally mm. comes. Fucking feels like years after issue 9. Um, this should wrap up the second story arc. Uh, for Bitch Planet, which a lot of people have been waiting for the second trade to come out. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, Flash 21, like you said, that's that's a big deal. Henry, I'm fucking shocked that you didn't bring up Killer Be Killed number eight. <laughs> I, you know, the only reason I didn't is that I every time a fucking new Killer Be Killed issue comes out, I mention it, so I was like, probably, people are probably that's, tired of hearing that's it. That's your fucking job. You know, you're supposed okay. to tell the world, and of course the entire world is listening. There you go. This, Fuck so yeah. Killer Be Killed. Say eight. hello to the world. Uh, Rubaker Phillips. <laughs> on a break. He's on a break. Killer Be Killed eight's here. Um... Nom Wolf, number one, of course, um, is from Albatross, and we're having a big signing. Uh, we're, we're flying the writer out, uh, Fabian Rangel Jr., is the writer of Nom Wolf and the writer of Space Riders um, and Helena Crash and all these other fucking awesome books. One of my favorite writers right now um, is coming out from Texas for like eight hours to sign at the store. Nice. Um, and he'll be joined by Logan Farber, who, who uh, is local, and he's the artist on Nam Wolf, and it's fucking awesome. And this book is about werewolves during the Vietnam War. Uh, so we will have an actual, real-life werewolf in the <laughs> store that you can take pictures with. Nice. We yeah. have free prints for everybody who buys the book. We have a free sticker for everybody who buys the book designed by Logan. Uh, the sticker is exclusive to the store. Um so everybody should come out to that. Uh, it's what April 26th. They'll be signing officially from 4 to 7, though they may be kind of kicking it in the store for a while before that. Um, also, Old Guard number 3 from Image. This book is awesome. Uh, it's about uh, immortal mercenaries who have just been exposed to the world that nobody knew that they existed, and now everyone does. Um, Saga Deluxe... Um, 
book two comes out. So that's the hardcover saga. If you've read um, the first one has the first three volumes in it. This has the second three. It looks beautiful. Um, There's Nothing There, number one, is a new Black Mass book. Again, Henry, like, I feel like you're sleeping <laughs> on the job here because Uh-oh. you're supposed to tell the world the new Black Mass com- comics come. I'm not supposed to say, of course. I was left <laughs> it off my fucking list. Same with Killer Be Killed. Anyway, There's Nothing There, number one, is a new Black Mass book, and it's actually written by the co-writer, which who gets absolutely zero credit for co-writing uh, We Can Never Go Home. Um, but he mm-hmm. wrote it with Matt Rosenberg. Everybody loves this book. Matt Rosenberg has gone on to become a big, big star. Um, I got a question for you, Eitan. Yeah. Where do we find the releases of Black Mask issues? Because it's not on Previews World. <laughs> Where's the best place uh, to look? It's not on Previews World? I it, see it should. Well, I don't know. Um, yeah, good question. Black Mask, is, Black Mask is a fucking mystery. A riddle wrapped in an <laughs> enigma. Hidden under a rock. Buy your books today. Um, lastly, um, real quick, uh, all the X books, new X books dropped this week. Uh, issue two of Weapon X, X Men Gold, and X Men Blue all come this week, and they're all super fun. And we still have uh, issue one of Blue and Weapon X if you want to get started uh, when issue two comes tomorrow. So, so lots of good shit this week. Awesome. And to clarify, on Wednesday there's the signing, but there's a book club as well, correct? Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. After the signing, um, starting at 8 o'clock, we have our Space Writers book club. Uh, so Fabian's going to hang out um, if he can stay awake. Um, <laughs> and he's gonna, we're going to talk the book, and he'll, of course, sign the co- cover, and he'll tell us where it came from. He'll tell us what it's work- like working with uh, Alexis Zirit, the amazing artist of that yeah. book. Um, really fucking excited about that. And for my every interaction I've had with Fabian so far, he seems like a great guy. Um, I think it's going to be cool to, to hang out with. Cool. I'll be there. Rainier, you're going to yeah, be there too, we'll right? Yeah, we'll be there. Yep. I think uh, James will be coming. I oh, okay. borrow my, uh, my, my first train. Oh, oh nice. fuck yeah. yeah. Nice. Spread the word. <laughs> All right. And with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Aton, Rainier, and Henry.